In this episode, we are discussing season three, episode four, Fade to Black. <laughs> bow chicka bow wow. Six. <laughs> Welcome to Drinks at the Doll, episode 99. You're listening to Drinks at the Doll, a podcast way station for Lost Girl fans. I'm your host, Stephanie. And I'm your perv, Annie. Yes! It's <laughs> for this episode. And I'm Chris. <laughs> no identifier, Chris? Do I need one? I, I am not not a perv. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I am your not perv, Chris. <laughs> you are? Yes, uh, we're actually talking about original skin this episode, and we've swapped bodies. <laughs> I thought I made that clear. I'll get it. No? <laughs> we are off to a great do, start. Do you really not get it, Annie? <laughs> well, yeah, but you're a not perv, and you're a not perv, so what does it make it? No, no, Stephanie was... <laughs> was sort of doing a thing where she was speaking as me. So I was teasing her about, oh, you're me now. And so then Stephanie was making a joke about how we body swapped. Now now it just has lost all its humor. Thank you for explaining. This is the second time this has happened since Annie and I have been on this call. Earlier, I was speaking as Nani, saying, like, have you seen my butt? Look at my butt. (laughs) And I'm like, but no. Annie's like, I'll have to pay attention now next th- later this year at Dragon Con. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, you don't want to see my butt. And he's like, no, show it to me. <laughs> oh. But in this episode, we are actually talking about Fade to Black, episode four of season three. And for a drink special for this episode. Chris railroaded me into. That is not what happened. <laughs> railroaded. Oh, this is getting off to a fabulous start. <laughs> Chris convinced me. She gently convinced me to to use a <laughs> to use a drink called Adrenaline Rush, <laughs> which she had a good which she had a good point. There's a, adrenaline is key in this episode, but the reason it annoyed me is that the ingredients. <laughs> Did not it include was, Gatorade? The first ingredient, no, but the first ingredient is soapy energy drink. Which one? Recipe, which one? There's like eight varieties. You need to give me something specific. But anyway, so you can pick one. One of the soapy energy drinks or an energy drink of your choice. As well as coconut rum for this recipe. So let's start with just our uh, some general thoughts about the episode. Do you want to go first, Chris? I have some general thoughts I would like to share. Go, go, go for it, Annie. Go for it, Annie. <laughs> I liked it. He liked it. <laughs> I like the sex. I like no. No, I really liked all the partnerships in this episode. The beginning of the Dyson and the Tamsin working together partnership and the romantic partnership between Bo and Lauren and the cases. And I have always thought it was a really good solid episode. And for me, it's kind of like, you know, I have good memories associated with it, not just because of the obvious, but because it was when I started watching the show in real time. So I was really invested this was the at the episode that, point. that made me a woman. Yes. <laughs> hey, I knew I was out before that. Made me feel like more of a woman. Made me want a woman because I'm single. But anyway, love it. Good, solid, sexy episode. Everything I like in a Lost Girl episode. And. Uh, you know, with regards to uh, the Bo and Lauren, se- uh, 
the last scene with Bo and Lauren in particular, some of the best acting Second on the Second to end. last scene. Second to last scene, excuse me. The last Bo and Lauren scene. But <laughs> there you go. There you go. But in regards to that scene, uh, some of the best acting on the show, I think sci-fi fantasy shows get pigeonholed and... Why do you watch these silly shows? They just, you know, no talent, whatever, but it just proves what good, what great talent there is on the show. Anyway, one of my favorites. I also enjoyed it. It's one of those things, though, like the entire episode, I'm just kind of like, just tell them! Yes. (laughs) Is basically my my episode mantra. It's just... Yeah. Because you, you kind of understand why they're not telling them in the moment, but at the same time, just do it. (laughs) <laughs> things Education would be so much key, easier people yeah anyway but tv line does not work that way that's the thing though about this episode is you you what you're watching especially as on a repeat viewing and i was just hyper aware of the fact that everybody is like keeping a secret in this episode kenzie won't tell anybody about the wound on her arm Bo and lauren aren't talking about the oh this is way too much sex for me and oh this isn't not enough sex for me and dyson isn't telling Bo that he got his love back it's just like talk to each other people <laughs> you just want to reach through and yeah Though we do, however, to counteract that, we have a couple of good scenes where they do actually talk about stuff. But we're going to talk about communication and all that good stuff later. So as far as general thoughts, I'm actually really glad that I went back and I just watched this episode by itself. I I think I tend to, in retrospect, not give this episode enough credit because it follows Confagion, which is one of my favorite episodes of the entire series. And so like coming off of the Confagion high... Like, this is a good episode, but I'm, I'm tempted to be like, oh, it's good, but it wasn't as good as the previous one. So I, I'm glad that I, I watched it by itself. You're one of those people. Well, I don't do it on purpose, but you know what I mean? Like, you, you kind of get to where you're like, well, that was good, but I just don't feel as good about it as I did the last time. That's what she said. And, <laughs> but I, I was, when I was watching, especially the beginning, I was really appreciative of how really well the beginning of the episode is edited it's just like bam 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 and so like that just sounded bad yeah that sounded perfect (laughs) wham bam thank you ma'am i'm not just talking about the first scene i'm talking about the first like maybe 20 15 20 minutes of the episode And Annie's like, I but wish that's how long that scene lasted. <laughs> Me too. No, yes, Annie was- Oh, yeah. <laughs> Annie, Annie doesn't get it when you're pretending to talk for somebody else. That's what I even said. And Annie is thinking. <laughs> okay, yeah. I meant, yes, you're right. I, I do think that. Anyway... The beginning sort of third of the episode is edited really well. It just goes from like great scene to great scene. I'm like laughing. I'm like, this is fun. I'm enjoying this. But then, shut up, Chris. But no. Then, <laughs> but then it kind of, it does kind of lull in the middle for me. I start having some scenes where I think, eh, I would have cut the scene there. I don't know that we need this latter part of it. But it is a really solid episode. It's a lot of fun. There's a lot of, dialogue and a lot of like moments that I really love in this episode. I was laughing so. because your enthusiasm made me happy. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. That you were mocking me again. You do that quite a bit. You know, you know that Chris, right? What are friends for? <laughs> not intentionally and or not, not maliciously. Okay. Okay. It's fine. It's fine. 
We received some feedback from Denise, who is EnvyGhost005 on Twitter, about this episode. I really enjoyed this episode for a couple of reasons. One, for the world building. I like how it exposed viewers to the extraordinary side of the Fey world, to speaking specifically here to the Rakshasha. But my second reason why I love this episode is I thought it was a wonderful window study into basically the day in the life of the of the gang. Not only just a bow and low Lauren of their relationship, but also if you were to shadow the rest of the gang in their daily activities, this would be the episode to showcase that. So I thought that was actually quite wonderful. The other thing that I really enjoyed about this episode was that it really highlighted the constraining factors that exist between a human and a succubus in a relationship. So I really enjoyed uh, that walkthrough of what are the pros and cons of that. My one glaring complaint is the disparity in the rules that govern how and under what conditions that Bo needs to feed. In this episode, she engages with Dyson sexually, and then, but in the following episode, in the Kinsey scale, she only sucks chi from Tamsin in order to be fully healed. As a viewer, I wish the conditions she needs to feed under were more hard and fast rules rather than what works, depending on the episode. Otherwise, one of my favorites. Thank you, Denise, for sending those in. Those are some really great thoughts. We're going to touch on all of those eventually during the course of our discussion, I am sure. And I should have said at the beginning, as far as spoiler warnings go for this episode, we are recording this in between the first and second half of season five. We are not going to have any season five spoilers in this episode, Annie. But But. (laughs) we could spoil plot details for some future episodes in season three or four. It's not going to be fully spoiler free if you have not seen up through, you know, like the end of season four. So there could be some spoilers for you. Because I know that Annie's going to have a lot to say when it comes to (laughs) Bone Lauren. I thought we would go ahead and get talking about sort of the case of the week aspect of the episode out of the way first. So the case of the week has to do with these humans committing suicides in strange ways. And we get the first taste of this with that tightrope walker scene at the beginning, which is, oh my gosh, like that guy. Besides the fact that it's just silly to do, that rope was nowhere near taut enough to be walked upon, even if he had training. I finally watched that. (laughs) <laughs> or notice, finally watch that. I finally noticed that. Oh, oh Lauren, weren't in the scene. I fast forwarded yeah. through it all 300 times. She didn't fast forward through it. She just re- restarted the episode. Yeah. <laughs> no, I finally noticed, noticed that about the rope. It's, it's kind of a, a, what do you call it? Consistency error. It's kind of a little more taut in one shot and then it's totally sagging in the next shot. And, but yeah, you're right. I'm all, hey. Things happen when you age, Annie, you know? Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> but I always think, that's such a silly shirt he's wearing, too. And I'm like, God, talk about home. Talk about it's homemade kind of iron on. But I'm still, I'm still thinking, if they were just going to throw that out and get rid of it after the, sh- the show, I'm like, I'd like that shirt just for the hell of it because it's so silly. Great. I also love Rolly's shirt, which clearly was made by, with like duct tape on a red shirt. I love the homemade childhood dreams t-shirts in this episode, actually. Yeah, it's kind of great. But the thing, too, I mean, the like, not only is the rope not tight enough, I'm pretty sure that's just like a terrible choice of rope for doing that kind of thing anyway, right? Yes. Because it's like a <laughs> nylon rope. Those things are slippery. Yeah, <laughs> they're slippery. It's not It's not quite wide enough. Like, it, it was a terrible choice. Clearly, he had no idea what he was and, doing. Like, clearly, if you're going to start doing that... 
like, do it lower first, dummy. Lower. <laughs> lower. You do it, like, three feet off the ground first. <sighs> but as much as Dyson was ragging on Tamsin for not handling that situation, well, I don't know that Dyson was exactly working at the top of his game no, either. No, here's my thing. <laughs> okay, he he's smart enough to stall Lloyd with the picture taking. With the old-fashioned camera. Flip phone. <laughs> yeah, with his flip yes, phone. Yes, I love that Dyson has a has his flip phone in this season. It kind of makes sense that he would, right? Because he's old, no, yeah. so it's like, it takes him a while to get used to the new technology, right? I have a friend who yes, still insists on using her flip phone until it completely dies. There's nothing wrong with flip phones. My dad still has a flip phone. Right. My dad would. <laughs> if he could. <laughs> anyway, the thing is, <laughs> Dyson gets that far, but then why doesn't he think, oh, Hey, uh, here, Tamsin, take a take the phone. So I can can I get a picture with you, Floyd? I, I was going to call him Floyd, but it's Lloyd. Can I get a picture with you, <laughs> Lloyd? Because wouldn't that make more sense? Because then you'd be like, yes. Because you know, Lloyd might still buy that, but then you'd also have an excuse to like grab him and like tackle him instead of letting him die. I don't. Yeah. I don't know. I yeah. never thought of that. I mean, I never thought of that possibility. But yeah, good point. Well, because the the whole time they're taking pictures, they're inching closer and closer yeah, to him. Yeah, that's true. So, like, the implication is they wanted to get closer to him so they could like stop him in case he was gonna do something stupid, which he did. But mm-hmm. <sighs> I mean, Tamsin wasn't helping with her. Yeah, that's no. nonstop Smart. making fun of him. But but this this scene clearly sets up the. The dynamic, right, that T- Tamsin and D- Dyson are developing with each other. We see them developing a working relationship in this episode where we have Dyson being, you know, more sensitive, a little more caring, especially toward the humans. And Tamsin just being completely, what's a good word? Cavalier doesn't quite even capture <laughs> I was going it. to say <laughs> indifferent, but that's kind of not. Indifferent. Yeah. yeah. yeah well, there, it's even beyond that. Well, it's almost like saying. a hostile indifference. Yeah. <laughs> But it, it comes off so well in this particular scene and in throughout the episode, I think, because I think with her intro in Subterfany and I was a little more annoyed at her brash hostility towards Dyson. It wasn't even almost. It was hostility. Yeah. yeah. And then wanting to arrest Bo right away and everything. But then here it's, you know, it's, it comes off as more humorous in the way Rachel plays it. I just, I love it. I love how, because in Confagion, you don't really see the real Tamsin because, right. you know, they're under the Morgan spell. So you see her just as a teenager. But here you really see her like return to form and her now that she and Dyson have a working relationship. And I just I love it from the beginning. So that's what made me really start to like the character in spite of those rough edges that sometimes would poke at me as a viewer. <laughs> so... See, I was still annoyed with her at the beginning of the episode, though, because you're right. She just she seems oh, she it's like she's inconvenienced by having to deal with all these things, you know, but like it's her job. <laughs> I think, though, by the end of the episode, I, I too, like I, I really started to like Tamsin more because I had the same reaction as Annie is. I really do not like Tamsin and in, in Subterfanian. She's just too hostile. She's too mean to bow it's i can't enjoy it it's right when it comes to mean mean girls it's like we've talked about mean girls before there's a there's a balance where they can be mean to a certain extent and still be likable but once they kind of cross a line it's like oh they're just mean and i hate them because she says some genuinely nasty things in that episode she really does she really does but i think really the the last rooftop scene 
in this episode is where Tamsin just really starts to ingratiate herself to me. Me too. Because she has some effing hilarious lines in in this episode. <laughs> uh, I just for example, okay, I'm warning you, do not unwrap the wang. <laughs> And then even the way, what she says to Dyson, she's like, hey, buddy, you know, and you can tell she's concerned and then, you know, please don't jump off the roof, but I'm still going to try, you know, my best as good as I am. And I, you know, what she says to both, thank goodness you're here. I am so bad yeah. at this shit. Like, she knows her limits. But. Well, and it's a nice credit to the writing here. It's a nice contrast between this first scene where she can't be arsed to try to talk this guy down. And then this later scene where she really is genuinely trying badly, but trying to talk Dyson yeah. down. And and I think the fact that we, I, we see that Tamsin really does care about Dyson in this episode is really what helps, for me anyway, start to like Tamsin more as a character in season three. Right, and the fact that she is glad that Bo is there, I think, helps a lot, yes. too, since she was so mean to her in episode two. Also, you got your work cut out for you, because this one wants to be half lion, half eagle, and full asshole. <laughs> full asshole. <laughs> it's a good, that's, it's a good that's line. That's one of the best lines ever, I think. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I do wonder if that's a line that Alex Sororni wrote, or it kind of sounds like an Emily Andrews line to me. That yeah, she might have yeah. had some some contribution there. But no idea. And even though we do see Tamsin, I think, basically being a functional alcoholic in season three, I, I do appreciate that she kills the Raksasha Rakshasha. This is a hard word to say. Rakshasa. I'm going to mispronounce this word a lot. Rakshasha. I can't do it. <laughs> Neither can any of us. I'm, tr- I'm trying my best here. I really am. I n- Rock Sasha. Wasn't it Shasa? Sasha? Oh, f- yeah. I oh, thought it was Rock Sasha. Okay. Rock Shasa? Rock Shasa? Something like that. Rock Shasa. There we go. Rock Shasa. Yeah. Even though we, see- I like that we see her like kill the Rock Shasa so ca- just like casually. Like, uh, shing! Kitty dead. And then her response is, okay, let's get tanked. Let's get tanked. But is anybody else kind of like vaguely annoyed that we kind of got cheated out of seeing the full Rakshasa? Yes, I am hugely annoyed. But I think hey, it works. I kind of like the shadow trick, but that's me personally. Well, well, it's like you see the beginning of the special effects, but then you don't see the end, and then you're like, "Hey, right?" Because they they show the beginning of the transition, and then it switches to right. like a huge yeah. shadow. And I mean, I don't hate the shadow thing, but. I don't know. This time I was just kind of like, but we saw the beginning of the transition. I want to see what it fully turned into. I know. We, we got cheated out of the end. It was a little cheap. But then again, hey, Dr. <laughs> the Overall. thing that The thing that annoys me about the Rakshasha transition is the fact that we see, when Tamsin finds the cat, they have the shot of the cat where we see it's clearly like Tamsin, cat, Bo, Dyson, all in a line. But then as Tamsin starts to confront the cat and it gets bigger, when it comes back to Bo, there's like nothing in the background behind her. Absolutely nothing. I'm like, oh, Budget. we sh- Yeah, exactly. But I'm like, they should have maybe lined the shot up differently to suggest they should have been more to the left or the right or whatever. Because I just think we should see the Rakshasa growing behind her in the shot. But okay. Sure, logically. <laughs> well, I always thought Tamsin was in a completely different part of the roof, so maybe I haven't. Yeah, that, seen- it's really that yeah. one shot that that kind of screws them over because it shows them really just in this direct line. But so that that's the thing that always sticks out to me. I don't mind the shadow play, but the the whole wait, it should totally be in this shot. Where is it? I just want to see outtakes from that where you know Rachel and Chris told the story where Rachel couldn't throw the boomerang because they told that story at Fan Expo one time. She's like, I could not throw this boomerang. <laughs> I hope they let her practice before they filmed. 
But then you notice that Tamsin never throws those again on screen Ever. that we have seen. Yeah. <laughs> the thing is, though, I wonder if they just ended up completely CGIing it because clearly when it spins up to hit the Rakshasa, that's totally CGI. Yeah. The the yeah. little boomerang thing. So I wonder if they just ended up telling her, "Oh, just like do your arm like this. We'll <laughs> we'll take care of the rest." <laughs> Take number six. Okay, we're out of time. We're out of light. Let's go. I mean, really, you'd only need need it to, you know, travel this far or something so you can get, like, the shot yeah, of it leaving yeah. her hand and then just animate after yeah. that. Right, exactly. Exactly, where the animation could pick up. But I, she must have just been really terrible. <laughs> like, like, as soon as she let it go, it just went, boom, <laughs> to the ground. <laughs> or maybe they were originally planning to film it a different way and ended up doing it this way to... To cheat it. I mean, I don't yeah. know. Who knows what the original yeah. plan was? Yeah. But I, I gotta complain, though. As a cat lover, I feel like cats are often portrayed very badly in television and films. This is this is the first of two times where the cat has, like, been the enemy in an episode. And this is not a isolated event for just Lost Girl. It happens a lot. And I just want to say, I love cats. So there. Really? Do you? I love cats. I do. You should get I have one five of them five. that I say something. I know. And my cat's butt. <laughs> I mean, in, in Lost Girl's defense, everyone is friendly towards the cat until the cat transforms. But the, the cat, I, I whenever Anna pets the cat, I just think, I wonder if Bo was supposed to do that, or Anna's just like, I'm petting the cat. I like cats. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the whole A Better Way clinic, I gotta say, Lost Girl really has a talent for writing new agey folks in a really <laughs> funny way. Like, that whole... Wait discussion that Bo has with Tabitha, the receptionist, like, oh, I, I was so happy when I found out I almost fell out of my son's salutation. Like, it's <laughs> it's so perfect and funny. As, <laughs> as somebody who hangs around new age types, I <laughs> I'm just like, oh, that's perfect. Yeah, I think Lost Girl has a talent for writing minor characters really memorably. Like, like the travel agent. Peggy. You know, and Tabitha. Peggy and Tabitha. And, you know, they're just really cute and peppy and memorable because they're so out there. I think my favorite interaction between Tabitha and Bo is the uh, the whole thing in the parking lot, parking garage, where Bo's trying to grab her and she's like, you're so bendy! <laughs> bendy! <laughs> Yoga! <laughs> I love it. The thing is that, that I find funny is that when Bo is walking away from Tabitha after they first met, it totally looks like Tabitha is checking out Bo's bum, doesn't it? Oh, it kind yes. of does, yeah. So yes. like, cocked head to the side. I don't know if that's what the actress was going for, but it, it, it looks more than just a, and appraising like, oh, so she's the new girl. It, it just, I it mean, looks it works like, that hey, way. nice bump. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. It totally does. But yeah. she's a succubus, and that's the kind of thing that happens around Effect. her, you know? It's the kind but of she attention she draws. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I do really enjoy Tabitha. I also appreciate the fact that her dream was like to be a mermaid, because again, Emily Andrus was showrunner at this time, and we know Emily's obsession with mermaids. <laughs> Prior to Waves, I think this is the way that she managed to sneak a mermaid into the script. We also have, of course, during the, the, the course of the case of, of where we get to see Manny and Connor, our favorites, Aww. favorite gay couple on, on Lost Girl. <laughs> they are just so delightful. I love those guys. <laughs> How many times are you a week are you having sex? Three times. Three times. Three, Three times. times. <laughs> and then when when Manny starts to pull out a, I have an impact statement I'd like to read. 
<laughs> it's like this huge thing. <laughs> and both, both Connor and Bo are like, oh, brother. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but they are just so delightful, and I love them, and they make me laugh, and oh, I love them. The more Lost Girl can put in characters like that, and I'm not necessarily even talking gay or straight, but just characters like that, like I said, that can be that delightful in that amount of short screen time, the better. I just, I hope there's more in the episodes. They are very good with, like, I just love love stuff like that. Minor characters. Yeah. Yeah. Because I I do actually also find Lloyd really delightful. I find Roly really delightful. I would put Manny and Connor and Tabitha maybe on a rung above them. But I I find the the, the two therapy patients also just really delightful in this episode. Submarines. Oh, the submarine (laughs) lady. Yeah, she had a lot to live up to with Manny and Connor. She's not quite as memorable as they are. But I do really like that scene where she's talking about... Her husband being the like dinky submarine that she puts on way- layaway with the rusty periscope. <laughs> with the rusty periscope, <laughs> what does that mean? And both just like <sighs> more chocolate. <laughs> the Rakshasha eventually pulls in Dyson into this whole thing. I do like what the Rakshasha kind of brings out in Dyson. This like really wide eyed. <gasps> I'm just oh, I know what I need to do. I I do really enjoy that. Like when he's kind of maniacally threatening Dr. Palmer, but not really. Like, I think Chris Holden Reed actually is really good in, in the couple of scenes where he's supposed to be under the Rakshasa's spell, I guess, for lack of a better word. Influence? Influence. There we go. There we go. But when he's under Dr. Palmer's hypnosis the first time, and he's like, the end of the shot's like, ah, the lighting and the music and everything, and it's just, it's such a different shot for something that normally you see with Dyson. So yeah, I see what you mean, Stephanie. I I kind of like this whole transformative side of Dyson. But I always wonder, it's like, what was what was in him that picked a griffin? <laughs> well, comes from a family of shifters, and that's a very unique animal to be able to shift into. Maybe Will's, he just yeah. wanted to fly, yeah. you know? But I think actually my favorite moment for Dyson is right at the beginning of that scene with Dr. Palmer, before he's actually been affected by the Rakshasa, Rakshasa because... We, it's right after he and Bo have slept together. And he's got this look on his face where he's kind of like pleased, but a little confused. And he says to, to Dr. Palmer, like, I think I do maybe need to talk to somebody. Like, when does Dyson say that? I think I do maybe need to talk yeah, to somebody. Yeah. Like, come on. So different from the Dyson of yeah, season one. Yeah. I feel I should also mention that, uh, during, during Dyson's I'm a Griffin scene, I have written in the notes, and there goes Dyson's shirt. <laughs> <laughs> For the second time this episode. That's the second time his shirt came off. <laughs> yep. And, and I love what Bo says earlier. Is your shirt too tight or something? You know, what's up with no, you? He, ah, shirt's too tight. Because <laughs> he says something about how his shirt feels tight. And Bo's like, oh, as yeah, long yeah, as it yeah. stays on. <laughs> stays on. Yeah. I, I like that because it, it both like shows Dyson becoming more under the influence of the Rakshasa, but it also is a reminder of, or at least evidence that Bo is feeling uncomfortable about the fact that she slept with him. So it's a mm-hmm. good moment for, for two, two reasons, I think. Mm-hmm. And I think just makes the obvious joke about how often the shirt say. comes off. <laughs> yes, that too. <laughs> yeah. So three things. There we go. I like to joke that Dyson ends up shirtless approximately every 2.5 episodes. I, I think <laughs> That's that might actually accurate. be accurate. <laughs> it's pretty close, I'm pretty sure. Why can't it be Lauren instead? <laughs> it's 
not fair. Equal opportunity for the whole cast. You could just have Lauren one episode, then Hale, then Dyson, then Bo, then well, Bo, Lauren. Bo is Bo also together. shirtless in this episode. There's a lot of shirtlessness in this episode. I was going to say, all three of That's those true. were shirtless this episode. Oh, yeah. Lauren shirtless, too. That's true. Not just during the naked scene at the beginning, but later when they're smooching in their underwear. I'm like, they were shirtle- mm-hmm. shirtless and pantsless, so. Mm-hmm. Yes. yes. We love pantsless and shirtlessness. <laughs> Oh, but actually, I, I quite enjoy the scene where Dyson is talking to Bo about taking on this case at the clinic, where where Bo's all distracted by the people coming in and, like, you know, turning around slowly <laughs> and delicious. on the stool. <laughs> <laughs> She's such a crack up. And I love that Dyson, you look a little, and then Bo cuts him off. Smart, gorgeous, tall. <laughs> That's my favorite thing. <laughs> I also like in that scene where at the very end, Dyson takes away Bo's cup of coffee and says, I think someone here has had enough coffee for the day. <laughs> <laughs> but I love how fast Anna is talking. It's the result of Bo just having too much coffee and not enough sex. So It's like she turned into a Gilmore girl. Yes, it's true. <laughs> The reason I really like that, I think someone here has had too much co- enough coffee for the day, is it's like a really kind of friendly moment between the two of them. I don't know. It is. We're like emerging from season two still at this point where Dyson was so grumpy. And to see him kind of just be joking with her like that, I, I really like it. Mm-hmm. It is nice. This is Stephanie in the editing room. And I feel like I need to put in a content warning here. We are about to talk about the first scene of this episode, which is, of course, the Bo and Lauren sex scene. And we get kind of graphic in this discussion, even more graphic than we, we usually do. So if you are sensitive or, or uncomfortable by such topics, I wanted to go ahead and let you know that if you at some point feel like you want to bail out or want to bail out now, you can skip ahead to the time marker 39 minutes and 15 seconds in this episode, and that will get you past pretty much all of that's out. We're still kind of talking about that beginning scene, but the conversations that's most likely to make you uncomfortable will be over by that point. Okay, I think I've held Annie back long enough. She's already been, like, pushing at the gates, but I think we need to talk about Bo and Lauren. <laughs> which means we gotta go back to the beginning of the episode, to which Bo, uh, to which Chris said, what did you say in the notes, Chris? <laughs> what? Oh. Oh my. <laughs> I believe what I put in the notes was, holy nudity! <laughs> <laughs> it was funny because like i said i i think it was caged Faye. i was like a week behind or something where i dvr'd it and then i watched it after it had aired already like a couple days so then both sub subterfanian and confagian and fade to black by this time i was really watching the series as it aired live so i was like you know and i'm still relatively new to the whole docubus thing so i was like holy shit I can't believe they 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 aired this on television, but it's so good. It's de- oh my god, oh my god, oh my god! It just keeps getting better and better. But I was still—it's what I call a dry mouth scene, where I literally was like gate mouth going. Cow! I'm like, yay Canadian TV, yay TV that it has progressed so far that we can now show this on TV and just show an honest sexual succubacy relationship. The thing that surprised me was that sci-fi didn't cut any of that. I was shocked. Yeah, I was really, I kept going, they're going to cut. When I So when I watched it on sci-fi, I was like, they're going to cut it. They're going to cut it. They're going to cut it. Oh my God, they didn't cut it. Good for sci-fi for once. 
I remember, I think we've talked about this before, where the director of this mentioned, like, all the really slow fades you have when they're in different positions in bed. It was supposed to represent, like, how many hours they'd been in bed, or, like... Yeah, it's... The passage of time was the idea. The passage of time, yeah. It's their positioning on the bed, because they start out kind of, as you would lay in the bed, you know, heads toward the top of the bed, feet toward the bottom of the bed, and then they, they turn 90 degrees from that, and, yeah, it's supposed to indicate that time has passed and and that sort of thing yeah i just uh, objectively believe it or not this scene is really beautifully edited it's really beautifully shot and i really still give so much credit to anna and zoe for being comfortable enough with each other to do this scene i know i think one of them mentioned at one point it was one of the faster scenes they had to shoot annie oh so sorry i meant to say anna anna (laughs) said that it was the the easiest sex scene she had ever shot like really anna really yeah that was uh, also rather amusing to me But it's one of those I things, know, like, I kind of see what she's saying, though, because it's all quick. There's lots of close-ups. It's lots of close-ups and lots of quick cuts, so yeah. basically mm-hmm. there'd be more time doing setup than there would be actually filming, I think, right? Yeah. Because yeah. you'd, like, have to check your light levels and stuff, but then it's, like, right. you know, 30 seconds of filming. And there probably wasn't a whole lot of choreographing that they had to do. When you do the the ones that are more progressive, it's like, okay, first, you know, take off clothes here and then down on the bed and then, oops, and then you're over here. So it's it's just a little bit more complicated, I think, usually. So in this one, it was a lot more where probably they were just like, okay, you're, you know, we're going to set you up like this and just kiss and we're going to film you for a bit and then we're going to cut. I have to say, for this scene, opening scene, that horizontal shot of Bo and Lauren just horizontally going at it with the covers covering their middle bits. <laughs> I could watch that gif forever and a day. That is my favorite gif ever. Are you not looking at it now? The word you are looking for is What is tribbing. it? See, I'm, this is where. <laughs> tribbing? Sounds like tribble. Tribble. Tribbing? I'm going to look that it up. It kind of does. It is, it is the, the verb form of tribidism. <laughs> Let's just say I love Wikipedia. <laughs> Look up tribidism, yeah, actually. That's Wikipedia what I'm looking at really right now. Helpful entry. <laughs> Including a very helpful graphic. There are. There are lots of very helpful illustrations if you seriously. And whenever somebody's like, what are you talking about? Like, just look it up on Wikipedia. It's actually a really good oh, yeah. entry. <laughs> People say Wikipedia isn't accurate, but for stuff like this, it's great. <laughs> that's so funny. No comment. So that- <laughs> So there's the really overt bit, right, where where Lauren's on top of Bo. And then there is more subtle ones when they're actually lying on the bed. They do a lot of good yes. leg intertwining in the scene, which I will I will point out here because I've had a drink and <laughs> I'm liking making Chris feel awkward. So <laughs> Who said I was feeling awkward? <laughs> you look a little awkward, but maybe you're like, no, that's just my face, Stephanie. That's just my well, face. The camera's <laughs> squishing me, so I don't know I don't know what you're seeing. <laughs> Okay, but I have some I have I have a question. So one of the opening shots, we see like somebody is back and then there's like legs kind of out of focus in the background. Whose back do you think that is? Do you think that's Bo's? I always thought it was Bo's. Okay. That's what I think too. Vote Chris, Bo, Lauren. I don't know. Okay. I have thought about it less than Annie has, I'm sure. I just I'm love just that we get to see the belly button ring hole. <laughs> <laughs> And that everybody's so wet in that scene. <laughs> they are very damp. Um, including hands, which... Yes, um, hands. 
suggests something that I don't know that they necessarily meant to suggest, but maybe. maybe. I think they meant to suggest okay. it. Okay. You put in a close up that I was going to say, I'd be a little surprised if that's not what was intended. The thing is, though, it'd be one thing if just. I'll just say it. It'd be one thing if her fingers were just wet, but it's like all the way down her palm as well. So I'm just well. Uh, hello, I know Annie, <laughs> but what? Who's to say? Succubus can do it all. <laughs> so can a human. I'm pretty sure that's Bo's. Ha- never, never mind. Never. Mind. <laughs> no, I always thought that was Lawrence. Oh, it can be either or. It doesn't matter. I'm pretty sure it's Bose. They have distinct hands. I recognize uh, yeah. those hands. Yeah. But <laughs> I've wanted to do this for so long to go through this shot by shot with you guys. Speaking of shot by shot, some of the shots in the opening sequence are mirrored because the, the mole near Anna's mouth, it jumps from left to right. Oh, I did not notice that. Yeah. The, her mole is actually on the right side of her face, but it, it, if you look at the shots, they... It jumps. It's like yeah. Igor's hump in uh, Young Frankenstein. <laughs> ah. That's exactly the comparison I would have made. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> Except it's it's an it's an intentional joke in Young Frankenstein. What? What? I, you just were talking about this sexy scene. That's exactly like Igor's hump. <laughs> <sighs> okay. I also can't can't state enough how perfect the song that they play over the the opening sequence is because not only is it super sexy and very appropriate for ladies getting it on, listen to also, those lyrics, ladies. <laughs> but also because it really sets up the conflict between Bo and Lauren in this episode, like it does all of those things all at once, and that's just really great song choice because the lyrics are "Can you keep me high?" Hi, 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 you know. <laughs> Oh, yeah. And and that's that's the whole thing. Like, is Lauren going to be enough for Bo? That's the big the big conflict between the two of them in this episode. Oh, I never thought of it that way. All I think awesome. of is my dry awesome sponge. I know, I know. I know. Anyway, I ignore that part, and I think about the suddenly wet for you part. That's the part that I mean, dry yeah, sponge. That's, that's the part not sexy. That goes with that line, yes. <laughs> but the dry sponge <sighs> part, that's not the sexy part. No, no, I was—I just couldn't remember the wet for you line, but those two lines go together because, you know, my sponge will not be wet anymore thanks to you. What? I can't believe I just said that. My sponge will not be wet anymore thanks to you or dry anymore. Dry. I meant dry. <laughs> Shit. Before we, we, we stop the pervy talk completely, I'm just going to say, in the subsequent scene, we see Lauren sit up in bed and she's like rubbing her neck. And all I got to say, if your neck is hurting, Lauren, I have some suggestions. <laughs> because the the uh, the positioning that they suggest in this opening sequence where Bo is like sliding down on Lauren, that is hard on your neck. There are other ways to do it that are not as hard on your neck. That's all I'm going to say. You got to give me some more words to look up. <laughs> and it looks like she's thinking about it pretty hard. I am. <laughs> Again, kudos to Anna and Zoe as always for giving us those scenes, even though it's got to be, you know, actors always say about sex scenes, the least sexiest thing ever. <laughs> and Zoe said once, she goes, yeah, it's really awkward because, you know, you have the, the costume, you know, ladies or whoever, they'll come with a robe right after the shots because, you know, they yell cut and, you know, put it on you, so it's fine. But, you know, sometimes you're trying to do it really fast, so you put your arm through the leg hole or, or your, 
I believe leg it was through leg the through the armhole. Arm yeah, yeah. So since robes don't have leg holes. Yeah, that's what I meant. <laughs> I'm just all awkward today. But uh, I can totally see them doing that. And then because of the dialogue, who else but Dr. Lauren Lewis talks about formaldehyde deliveries in bed as sexy times talk. Well, that but it wasn't, wasn't sexy that, times talk. That was her but... day. That was her itinerary. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was the thing. It's like, Bo, formaldehyde really isn't a, a sexy, sexy word ever. No, <laughs> yeah, It's really not yeah. ever. I did I did think it was cute, though. The um, I thought I was your to-do list. I thought that <laughs> that line delivery was yes. very cute. Yeah, I, I agree. And is very cute in that scene. She is very cute in that scene. But you start, though, starting to feel awkward. You're like, oh, this is getting awkward between the two of them. I didn't think so. <laughs> you don't feel awkward that Lauren is clearly trying to be like, no, I don't want to. And Bo totally wants to. Well, I do feel more the urgency of, like you guys said earlier, you gotta talk to each other. Tell her you're exhausted. Tell her you're eating chocolate. You know, I sense that kind of, you guys need to talk kind of thing soon. Well, okay, so let's get into this whole conflict about, about the sex, that conflict about the sex that is, is going on in this episode. Because that's, I feel like that's really the big, the big plotline for the episode. The, the like case of the week kind of facilitates talking about or, or giving avenues for Bo to confront the problems that she and, and Lauren are having through like Manny and, and Connor as well as the lady, the the submarine lady. So this this is really the whole point of this episode, right? Is the confronting the whole imbalance of sexual needs, I guess, in the relationship between Bo and Lauren. I do kind of like Bo's reaction when she finds out what kind of therapist she's supposed to pose as. Yeah. Like, oh, <laughs> seriously? You're kidding me. Yeah. But okay. Because here's the thing. I knew this is going to be a thing, the whole fact that Bo's a succubus. And I'm glad that they addressed it. And I, I like how they addressed it for the most part. But I like Denise. I have all of these questions about what exactly are Bo's needs as a succubus? Because I get it. She needs lots of sex. But what really sort of facilitates the conflict is the fact that she has to have sex with Dyson as well as feed off of him in order to heal herself in this episode. But we see in other episodes, she can just feed off of people, no sex required, mm. and heal wounds. So yeah. I, I do feel like that compromises kind of the oomph of the of the storyline here, but I, I do like that they addressed it, and, and by and large, I like how they did it. Well, it, yeah, I mean, I don't know if there was an early interview with Michelle Lovretta where she said what constitutes the quote-unquote rules of... What's the rules of feeding versus having sex with a succubus to heal wounds or to enthrall people or to take their chi? Yeah, it does get a bit confusing. Haven't we discussed this before? Or was this just a conversation we've had? We have. <laughs> I can't remember now. I, I, I don't remember if we talked about it on the podcast. I think we've talked about it with each other, but I don't remember if it was it was on mic or not. Okay. Because I do have yeah. theories about this. <laughs> okay, tell us your theories, Chris. And then there's theories about does Bo feed off of Lauren in this episode, which most people think she doesn't. She doesn't, etc. Emily Andrus has yeah. said that she does not. Yeah. Okay, so I think basically yes, she can heal herself from just like chi sucking, but the way I guess I'm interpreting it is that. If she is having sex with the person, it's sort of like, think of it this way. <laughs> think of it as like a car's battery, right? Because if you're just, like, if you just turn on the car in accessory mode, you're just draining the battery. But if you go all the way to ignition, the engine will recharge the battery while it's running. 
So I'm eh. thinking, what? <laughs> Did I just Go confuse ahead. you yeah, with my I'm, metaphor? I'm, I'm not following. I'm not following you here, Chris. Okay. In this metaphor, accessory <laughs> mode. Okay. Why am I making ignition motions with my hand? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> accessory mode is like like chi sucking. Okay. Okay, but but Bo having sex is like having the engine running. Okay. Because then basically it runs down the battery less. Oh, and Bo is like your stereo. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, yeah. Yeah, Bo is the stereo okay. in this situation. So so Bo is like running the stereo. And and when when the car is just in accessory mode... And he's so it's, 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 Let me start over. <laughs> no, no, no. no. I, I'm just saying... Well, he, here's my question. Does it depend on the type of injury that Bo has if she needs sex to feed or not? Is I don't know. A really I think it depends on injury? the severity of the injury, right? Cause... Because in, uh, the Kenzie scale... She just hadn't fed in a while when she feeds off of Tamsin, whereas here she was, like, almost mortally injured and needed right, that's sex what to heal. That's what I'm saying. Well, but, uh, as a counterpoint, in, we see in Dark Horse, Bose had the crap kicked out of her by Massimo, and, and Tamsin's saying, like, oh, probably broken collarbone, broken ribs, blah, 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 blah. Serious injuries. And Bo just kind of feeds off of Tamsin for a few seconds and she's good to go. Exactly. Inconsistency. But because that's Tamsin instead of, like, Dyson or somebody, does that also matter? Because we don't know what the chi differential is between... But then we also need chi from... Only chi from two humans and two fae to bring Dyson back from the dead in... But how dead was he? <laughs> Pretty dead in, can, uh... Can I offer a fan wank for this episode, in, at least? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So I think, and I think they could have even made this clear in the writing and I would have been okay with it. I think perhaps the reason why Bo needed sex plus Chi in this situation was because she was worn down already. On those other occasions, she was getting the amount of like sex or whatever that she needed, but she was injured. And so just the Chi was enough to heal her. But here, since she wasn't getting the right amount of sex and stuff that beforehand, when she got this really serious injury, she needed both. Yeah, I'd buy that. Plus, this is the beginning of the dawning situation, so she's already, which is, they did establish at some point, is requiring more chi. Yeah, that's my theory as to why she needed both here. But I, I do still agree with Denise, though, that they've never set up hard and fast rules about when Bo needs what, and so sometimes it just feels like, this will work for this yeah. episode, and, and it does feel messy to me. Owen Samuel tweeted and said, I did get the car battery analogy. It's a good one. And then a smiley face. So thank you, <laughs> Owen Samuel. I was just having trouble following what you were saying. Once I got that Bo was like the stereo, I figured out what I you don't were get that part, but yeah. Okay, here, here's the thing, Annie, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. No, no, no. I get it. I get it now. Wait, I thought about it. Yeah. Training the battery versus the thing recharging the battery. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> And he's like, no, don't explain again. No, don't explain again. Let's move on to something else. <laughs> like, more pantsless and shirtless Bo and Lauren kissing. Okay, so... Uh, yes. Yeah! And and I know I'm probably a weirdo in this regard, but that that thing where we see her, see the camera panning through the open 
doors, the open doors. <laughs> I know. Well, it's revealing the open front door of Lauren's apartment in the background. And we see Bo and Lauren in their underwear smooching on the chaise lounge. That to me is like weirdly more intimate than what we see at the beginning. I don't know why, but like, ah, it just, I, not that it's bad, but I just feel like, oh, I have to cover my eyes in a way that I don't in the first scene. I don't know why. Maybe it's because the possibility of the door open psychologically just makes you go, somebody could come in at any moment and ruin this moment. Maybe. And it just, maybe. It, more but there's dangerous. just something really intimate to me seeing like their legs kind of near next to each other and like in between each other because mm-hmm. you, you often they're under like sheets and stuff you don't actually see all that much in the yeah. real sex scenes or the real sex scenes the, the sex scenes <laughs> they're not having real sex i'm not trying to say that <laughs> me i'm saying the same thing that i was during the sex scene in confusion where i'm like move the damn gossamer white curtains out of the shot <laughs> I want to see more skin. Fun fact, you Stephanie curve. did not notice that Lauren's front door was also open until I told her. <laughs> well, your attention is not supposed to be at the back of the room, Chris. I, I just hadn't watched it enough to really, like, scan Lauren's apartment. Jeez. Here's the thing that I wonder about is, how come Lauren didn't notice, as should be her observational powers, that Bo was kind of wincing when she was putting her shirt back on? You she know, did she notice. Goes, you she asked right? her if she was okay, but then Bo but said still, she was. But still, they could have continued so. that conversation. You know, but there's they all these underlying. <laughs> yeah, I know. They're both avoiding talking about the things they need to talk about. Yeah, because Lauren had was already feeling, you know, insecure about the whole "you can't be enough for Bo" because of what Vex said in the previous episode, and Bo yeah. was really trying to be monogamous. Because I think, I think, really. That growing up the way that she did, I think Bo aspires to be monogamous with the person that she is is mm-hmm. with, you know. And I, I think the fact that she is a succubus in that regard is it it annoys her that she can't. That's a really good point. Oh, poor Bo. I never thought of that. Yeah, I mean, it's like it's a character with a really good pure intentions, but physically cannot abide by them, regardless of who she's with. Whether it's Dyson or Lauren or And can you can you imagine trying to be Bo in that situation saying, I need to sleep with somebody else? Like I Yeah I wanna be with you, but this just isn't enough for me. Like she would and she because she cares about Lauren. Like it's it's not and she wasn't trying to be a jerk or anything, but it'd be something that it'd be a really hard conversation yeah. to have, for sure. Uh Mindy says feelings on Lauren's flowery underwear in this episode, I was not a fan. I was not a fan either, believe it or not, but I get skinned for it, so I can be neutral. I have no issue with it. I have and we no did see it issue with this, so. with the underwear, but I, I do think of her more as wearing solid colored underwear, personally. Yeah. I don't know why. Yes. But if Lauren were to take off her clothes, I would expect her to be wearing just sort of a solid <laughs> underwear. Because you pictured it many I times. I just want to see her take no, off her clothes. No. It's not until I you have. see a thing. And, uh, I know you have, Of Annie. course, Annie has. Yeah. It's more like you you don't realize something's kind of wrong until you see it, right? Like, I haven't really (laughs) thought about it, but no, that doesn't work for me. I don't think that's right. It's so funny. I love how we talk about this minutia. (laughs) But I I know that this is going to to make Annie sad, but I did want to talk about the the scene where Bo and Dyson sleep together a little bit. Because even though I think Dyson is being very well-intentioned there, and I think clearly he cares for Bo, he she do, he doesn't want her to be as, as injured as she clearly is. His ultimatum is dumb. Yes, his ultimatum is dumb, and I grr at him when Bo asks him, like, no feelings, and he clearly is like, well, there's kind of feelings, but I'm not going to tell you, you know? 
And again, uh, people not saying the things they should really just say. Yeah, I never thought of it that way. Well, maybe he just didn't want to co- make her conflicted anymore and add more emotional baggage onto what she's already had because she she sees that she's injured. He sees that she's injured and is already struggling with being monogamous to Lauren. And he thinks, well, maybe this isn't best time to go. Oh, by the way, I have my love back, and I still have no. I mean, I think you. Dyson means well, but uh, I it's do too. Still, yeah. I totally do too. But it's still a questionable thing to do, especially when she even asks him directly, like, no feelings? Because in that moment, the way that Chris Holden replays it, there's clearly this look on his face like, um, yes, but I'm not going to say anything. And and when she talks to him, when Bo talks to him later in this episode about the situation, she even brings up the fact, like, I know you can't feel feelings anymore. So I do think that that contributed to her agreeing to sleep with him and cheat on Lauren, essentially, mm-hmm. because she was under the impression that he didn't have feelings for her. And that wasn't true. I mean, it's, it's one of those things. I think the situation is such that Dyson just has the sense of urgency that's overriding right. all yeah. logic on his part. But yeah, yeah I agree. logically, it should be more like, you know, can I go grab somebody else who knows the score and, you know, we'll be here in like two minutes. <laughs> it would be less awkward for him to do that. It would right. still be relatively safe because it would still be pretty quick. And, you know, you wouldn't have the whole complicated situation, but I think Dyson's just in, like, crisis management True. mode and is just yeah. not thinking about it beyond that. Although, I do always think during that scene, it's like Lauren's open door. You realize you're having sex in in the box in the police station where anybody can see you through the two-way mirror. And I'm like, with the door open. Well, they can't open, see them from the other side. Oh, Oh, I thought they could see him in there because that's like the interrogation. No, they're room. in they're in the the room that you stand in if you're like the lieutenant. You want to watch oh, the interrogation going on. Okay. They're on the other side of the mirror. Yeah, but the door is open. Yeah, I know. So that bugs me. I'm like, you guys, stop, close the damn doors for once. <laughs> <laughs> we were talking about the whole lack of communication in this episode, and it's totally there. But at the same time, I feel like it does get satisfied a couple of ways because after. Bo and Dyson have that encounter. There's that, I think, really good scene between the two of them at the end where Bo comes up to Dyson and says, what happened to us before? You know, that was a one-time thing. I'm with Lauren. And even though you can't love me anymore, that would be really hurtful to her. Yeah, she lays down the ground rules really clearly for her on her end with the knowledge that she has. Yeah. And then later in the episode, Bo and Lauren have a talk. And and which makes me just like, kind of shake my fist at the amount of not talking that goes on on this show at times because i get it you want to create some dramatic tension with what what's going to happen but i i feel like they they kind of spin these out a little too long sometimes because there's satisfaction to be had in the talking as well like those are great scenes i think it's it's just as like yeah yeah so they, they're just as the i think dramatically scenes. satisfying as those scenes where you're like oh and she thinks this scene but he doesn't know it or whatever I, I feel like those are just as satisfying as as scenes where you actually have the characters talk to each other it kind of makes the other scenes better to me because otherwise i just get frustrated with them <laughs> So there's sort of, like, narrative payoff, which reflects, you know, well on Mm -hmm. the previous scene where they had the issue to begin with. You know what I mean? Yeah. But we have all this tension going on between Bo and Lauren, and that arises in, like, more tension over the fact that, uh, over the case that Bo has taken and the fact that she's pretending to be a therapist. And that's just, it's a really tough scene to watch. And, And I think that in my, you know, we Lauren is perhaps being a bit overreactive 
in that scene because she's sensitive about like the sex stuff going on between the two of them. I think she's correct in calling Bo out on what she's doing because it's very unethical. Right. But the fact that it gets to the point where she points out, like, you know, that Bo didn't finish high school, like, ouch. Too far, Lauren. Lauren. Too far. Ouch. Way too far. Completely inappropriate. Very low blow. Yeah. But she regretted it immediately. And it, it's weird because it's something you almost kind of, it's something I almost, anyway, forget about Bo of her origins because you think, oh, she's such a badass and she's done so many things and she's saved the world multiple times. And you forget, she left, sometimes you forget, she left home at 18 and has been on the streets for this long, had this 10-year killing spree, but did it all without graduating from high school, which, you know, when you compare it to Lauren, you know, we were talking about it, I think, in the Friendship episode where Bo and Lauren are both different social stratus, basically. So, but for Lauren to call her out on that is pretty, eh, not cool. Well, and I think... It might even lead to the conflict that they have later this season in Phage Against the Machine, where, you know, Lauren's getting an award and Bo is getting sidetracked by this mission. And they have that conversation where Bo basically says, what I'm doing is really important. All you do is, like, look through microscopes all day. And that might Mm -hmm. have been brewing a little bit here. But I feel like the fact that Lauren is so mean to her about her lack of, of higher education here that that maybe brews some resentment in Bo, thinking, well, what I do, like, saves lives and stuff like this. And Lauren's just sort of sitting around doing this stuff that doesn't matter as much. and Ignoring the fact that doing that has saved Bo's life, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it is it is one of those things. They're, they're both just taking it too far. Out of line, yeah. you two. <laughs> Eventually, though, all of this conflict between the two of them does end up in that the scene which a lot of people refer to as the kitchen scene where Bo fesses up about what happened between Dyson and and herself. And we got an email from Mahler's Fifth about it that I wanted to share. She said, the kitchen scene, sigh, seems to me this has been so far the high point of Bo and Lauren's relationship when they still talk to each other. The values exemplified by this episode seem to have faded in importance or at least representation as the seasons have progressed. Maybe this was a creative decision, i.e. nobody talks to each other partly to increase drama, but if so, do you think it was the right decision? Well, as you say, there's got to be narrative payoff, and I think we could always use more of that in any show I watch. Agreed. I don't know that I entirely agree with what Mahler Smith has said there. I don't know that those values that she mentioned have, have been faded in importance, but I I do feel like the show does rely on characters not communicating a little too much. Like, I love Lost Girl. I really do. I don't think it's perfect. This is one of the areas where I think, where I personally wish that it it tackled things a bit differently. Instead of creating conflict around characters not telling each other things or lying to each other, I wish that they drew drama out of the situation through other means. Because I think that they're they're there. If you think about Bo and Lauren's relationship, they have all this stuff between them with the fact that Bo's a succubus, Lauren's human. And while we see that being an element of this episode, and it gets addressed here, and like subsequently, it's the conflict that arises between the two of them is often just about the fact that they didn't tell each other stuff. And I'm like, there's so much more that you could create drama from regarding the fact that Bo's, Bo's a succubus, Lauren's human, Bo's going to live a lot longer than Lauren, Lauren's going to die earlier. Like, there's so much drama to mine from these relationships besides the fact that, oh, they just didn't tell each other something. And it could be like a great scene where they actually finally talk about that. 
Yeah. Yes. I mean, I, I think you're completely right, Stephanie, that they they do rely on it, I'd say, too much. The creation of drama through not talking about things, which most shows do. Most shows yeah. do it a lot. And it drives me crazy every time. <laughs> This is yeah. completely not unique to Lost Girl. A lot of shows rely on lack of communication and just hiding things, often for no good reason. Like here, I feel like there was at least some reasons you could discern for why they weren't talking about this thing. Right. Because it was such a big, potentially relationship-altering thing. But sometimes you're just like, why didn't they talk about that? That's dumb that they didn't talk about that. Yeah. Which I kept thinking, too, about Kenzie. Yeah. Because, I mean... Like, okay, for the first scene, because she's trying to tell them, but it's just sort of not going that well because everybody else has other stuff going on. And I get that. But by the end of the episode, she peels her bandage off and her arm looks terrible. And I'm like, yes, for goodness sake, tell someone. Yes. I know. I know she has a thing about doctors and Lauren's busy, but it's like, why didn't you initially go to Lauren? Not, I mean, why didn't you go to Lauren after Bo or something? But yeah, I mean, if it's that bad, for goodness sake, talk to somebody about it. Yeah, and and if they interrupt you, cut them off. It's yeah. like no, you need they, to look at this. My arm go, Hello. is melting off. Yeah. We need it's to melting. deal with this. There yeah. is goo on my arm. <laughs> my arm is goo. They would have stopped whatever they were doing. And I know, helped right? You, yeah. Going back to the kitchen yeah. scene, I I think my uh, I don't know. My opinion might be unpopular, but it's interesting that I initially when I watched it. I didn't think of it as Bo cheating on Lauren in those terms, because it's just, as Lauren says, you're a succubus. We tried to avoid this, talking about this, but, you know, it is what it is. You have to start feeding. It's to survive. It's, you know, not, oh, I'm going to be unfaithful. I don't want to do this, but I have to do it so that I can still live and be with you. So that's why I didn't initially think of it as Bo sleeping with Dyson in this one situation where she could have died as cheating. It doesn't mean that it's any less emotionally distraught or painful for both of them and for Bo to admit it to Lauren and for Lauren to hear it. I, I didn't use that word in an effort to judge Bo. I use that word because it looks to me like Bo feels like that's what happened. I mean, some people do. I, I've heard it used in that term where it is more of a judgment on Bo, but I'm like, uh, but it's her life. It's unfortunately the way things are biologically. But that is how this seed is reading, right? It's a supernatural version of I slept with somebody else and I'm sorry. Yeah. And, but but I agree with you. Like This is clearly uh, Bo's goal here was not to go have sex with Dyson because she wanted to have sex with Dyson. It was an extreme situation. And because she's a succubus, it was kind of a medical yeah. emergency for lack of a better term. <laughs> but I do think, though, that Bo yeah. feels like she cheated on Lauren. She broke their agreement. She she wanted to be monogamous to Lauren, and she wasn't. Yes, yes. Right. And But I do think that, again, this conversation forced them to go, okay, now we need to set some ground rules. That's really important, because it's come to this point where we weren't revealing things, and it's become really hurtful between us. We have to face this truth, so... Now let's do ABC, you know, and Lauren brings it up to Bo and Bo says, yes, anything, of course, you know, she, she leaves it up to Lauren to set those rules. Did anybody else have kind of a foreboding feeling when the one rule that Lauren established was no Dyson and then Bo says, I promise? Did anybody else think like, oh, that's not going to last? 
I've read a lot of people did, but I'm like, Bo's intention was still good. Oh, no. That's what I believed. Not like, oh, she's going to immediately sleep with him and then it'll be over. It's like some people, some comments that I've read were so like, oh, it's over. You know, they're going to break up in the next episode. But I'm like, I didn't, I wasn't foreboding when I saw that. I saw that as Bo being really earnest, trying with everything that she had to fulfill the promise from someone she loved. I think Bo is being earnest. However, when I watched it, it seemed like it was a a clue in the writing that something was going to happen. It's like, one of those, it's, it's like well, one of those yeah. TV things where somebody makes the promise, which just like jinxes the whole thing. Exactly. And, like, somehow like, we have they're going to end up in world. some situation where Boar, where Boar, Bo is mortally wounded on like a desert mm-hmm. island where she's stranded <laughs> with Dyson. Yeah. Like, you just know what's going to happen as soon as she says that. It's like yeah. the dad yeah. telling his son, who he only sees on weekends, oh yeah, buddy, I'll be at that soccer game. I wouldn't miss it. And then everything happens so that the dad misses a soccer game and his son hates him. Like, that's what it felt to me. Exactly. Was was yeah. one of those moments in the writing. But it wasn't, which really surprised me. Like, Bo didn't sleep with Dyson, or nothing happened between Bo and, Le- and Dyson. And I like that. I want to applaud yeah. the show for not going down what could have been a really obvious route. Basically, yeah, the problem exactly. here is that Stephanie and I watch too much TV. Yeah. And yeah. so we're, like, constantly worried about these tropes taking I'm, over it everything. It doesn't mean that I'm not yeah. worried about my TV tropes as well, but, yeah. I, I see but that we're mean. thinking about these things in these terms. Yeah. Yeah. Before we move on to the last little plot element of this episode, I, I just want to say that I love this scene, the kitchen scene. I think it's really well acted, really well written. Especially, they're both good, but especially Zoe Palmer's performance in the scene always is just completely captivating to me because she is just, she's looking at Bo and you can tell she's just so angry and her breath is kind of coming fast. And then instantly her angry breaths turn into like these quiet sobs and her face just changes and it's, it's wonderful. I think she's so great in this scene. There's a there's a lot going on there. Yeah. I'm just in awe of how actors do that. Just their face, how it just transforms like that to show all those complex emotions. And then it's just amazing what actors can do in these scenes. And that's what, to me, is the joy of watching these shows, is seeing scenes like this. It's very, like, emotionally in the moment. Yes. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it all feels very genuine to me. That yeah. like that response totally makes sense, you know? Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of people were, were annoyed with Bo's response. Something about, you know, well, if that's how you respond to that, I, I borrowed your earrings and lost them or whatever it is she says. It's like, I know people yeah, yeah. were annoyed with Bo for that, but to me, that's exactly how Bo would respond. Well, it's a defense mechanism of trying yeah. to make right. a Right, that's what I'm saying. Joke. It's like, I totally believe that, that Bo would sort of try and diffuse the situation with humor. Yeah. And and to also compliment Anna, I, I really like the moment where Lauren says, you know, I'm a doctor, but I know that I'm not enough for you. And then Bo says, don't say that. And <laughs> I really love the way that Anna delivers that line because it's this perfect combination yeah. of she knows Lauren's right, but it hurts her to hear that truth about herself, even though she understands it. And yeah, they're just both really great in this scene. This is incredibly nitpicky, but was anybody else annoyed by the statement, I'm a doctor? <laughs> we, <laughs> no. we know, Lauren. No. <laughs> Everybody knows. I love Lauren's boots in that scene and hair. 
Oh, and, and I'll, I'll link to it. I, I, and what she's wearing. I'll link to it. I, I won't go into it in this episode because we're already running, running long, of course. And, uh, but <laughs> Melanie Killingsworth over at, I think she did this on, on TV Kila. She did actually a really interesting description of how the lighting works in this scene to convey like the emotional reality between Bo and Lauren. It's, it's interesting reading. So I'll put a link to that in the show notes. So let's move on to poor Kenzie and poor Hale. But let's start with poor Kenzie. Can I just say how much I love the first scene between Bo and Kenzie in this episode? It's it so just, perfect. It is so per. It is such a Bo and Kenzie scene, and I love it. Uh, Wonder Snatch. Hi, we met. <laughs> Best name for Bo's lady bits ever. <laughs> or just Bo. Period. Like she, she has all these great nicknames that she calls Bo at the beginning because she's like Bolicious, Bodacious. <laughs> <And> she's <laughs> just so nervously <laughs> rattling off these nicknames for Bo. <laughs> and I like that she calls her Wonder Snatch. I also love the moment where Kenzie's like, "I have chocolate in my purse," and Bo's like, "What's on your mind?" <laughs> <laughs> I love. It. And then she goes, "Technically knit." I love it when uh, Ksenia speaks <laughs> Russian. And then also her remark about. Sexy. When, when Bo says that Lauren is super lovable or very lovable, <laughs> Kenzie replies, and from what I hear, super bangable. <laughs> what is it? Tribbles? Trib? Trib? Tribbing! 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 From what I hear, tribbles. super. Super tribbable. Do you want to tell her what tribbles are? <laughs> I know what tribbles are. I, I like it though. <laughs> I like that Eddie super, calls it tribbles. <laughs> super bangable. But yes, I, I, but at the same time, uh, in that scene, it's a great scene, but you kind of, you want to shake both of them. You want to shake Kenzie and just say, Kenzie, just spit it out. You want to shake Bo and be like, Bo, Kenzie's got something going on. Listen, stop being so self absorbed. Yeah. It's like, just show her your crazy arm. Crazy arm. And she's like scratching it after Bo leaves. And I'm like, go upstairs and tell Lauren, or isn't she still, you know? Knock on the door. Are you dressed? <laughs> I have something I need to Excuse show me. you. Medical emergency. Uh, yeah. Oh, Kenzie. Kenzie. And then and then she tries to go to Hale with her problems. Back up best bud. She tries to go to Hale with her problems, and Hale has got his own problems and is getting sucked into the world of being the ash. And then I got really upset with Hale, but then I kind of feel bad for getting so upset with him because he does seem like he's really got a lot of pressure. Yeah. But I get more upset with Trick for telling Hale what he does and giving him his bad advice. It's not necessarily bad advice. It's bad advice in this situation because there's an emergency going on. But, like, they don't yeah. know that, you know what I mean? But he didn't have to sound so harsh about it. Even if it's more than you can bear. But, I, I mean, you get that Trick, Trick is speaking Trick. from, like, personal experience. So, because Trick has had to do things that were more than he could bear. Yeah, so. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think... Trick is trying to help Hale. True. He's trying to give him good advice for being a leader because he's he was a leader and things were really rough for him and ended badly. So I do think he's trying to help Hale here. But since we know what's going on with Kenzie, we're just like, Trick, no, Kenzie needs to talk to Hale. Mm-hmm. Just want to slap everybody upside their heads. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I do really like how the the, the episode, it... it weaves in this little subplot where Kenzie is volunteers to buy Hale new clothing and Kenzie's kind of trying to use it as a distraction from the fact that she's got this arm thing that she really doesn't really doesn't want to deal with and it's a very Kenzie thing to want to get involved with 
But then when we finally see Hale in his new clothes for the first time, it's when he's turned all cold ash on her. So it's like, oh, he looks so pretty, but he's mean now, you know. <laughs> but there was there was a good visual transformation of Hale through the clothing storyline. But the clothing storyline was also used as like a piece of the plot between Kenzie and Hale before that. So I thought that was a skillful bit of writing. But poor little Kenzie. She's she's abandoned by everybody. It's heartbreaking to see that door shut in her face. Though she did have a good comeback for the guard guard guy. Don't ash block the Kens. <laughs> but I remember being when I first saw this episode, being just very very concerned for Kenzie by that that ending scene where she calls Bo and she's all upset, and then we see her get snatched by something. It's like. <gasps> I know. I know. And again, because I was new to the show, I was like, no. So I was really wrapped up in the emotions of the show at this point and really uh, enjoyed it because it was Lost Girl was so new to me. I was like, next week. I can't wait till next week. What happens to Kenzie? I don't remember where I saw it, but I remember seeing something online. Somebody was like, and be sure you don't miss the last five minutes of the episode or whatever the thing was. It's like, oh, God, what's going to happen? Which is why the beginning of Phase Wide Shut is so disorienting, because Kenzie's just kind of sitting there chilling. Like, um, what's going on? See, and this is, I I am dense, gullible viewer, I admit that. And also, you know, horny and porny. And, <laughs> no, not porny. Just horny and whatever. Pervy? But, I think you meant pervy. <laughs> pervy. Pervy. But I'm gullible viewer, because I'm like, oh yeah, Kenzie's Kenzie. And everybody was like, when they saw Phase Wide Shut, they were like, we knew that wasn't Kenzie. And I'm like... I thought it was Kenzie most of the time until the end. You know? Didn't occur to me. I'm like, Kenzie's being so mean. <laughs> Kenzie was not particularly around in this episode, which was kind of a surprise to remember. It's like, oh yeah, she got kind of sidelined here, but things will things will pick up soon, Kens. You'll get some attention soon. Well, the person posing as you will. <laughs> yeah, well. Yep. And I realized, I, I forgot to mention earlier, I wanted to mention how much I really like the concluding scene between Tamsin and Dyson at the doll. Yes. Yes. It makes me happy. I start <laughs> I start shipping them. I start screaming, why aren't their faces on each other's faces? Why aren't their Wolf faces Queen. in other places besides each other's faces? Oh, and Stephanie. <laughs> I just love them together so much. And Dyson is so floofy in this episode. He's so fuzzy. He's so fuzzy. <laughs> like his hair is extra floofy and grown out, and his beard and everything. It's just I just I want to like reach through the the, the screen yeah, and good. and ruffle his hair. Yeah. Did you want to be like Bo and sort of pet his beard at the end of the episode? Yes. <laughs> I occasionally think that, like, I kind of want to pet Chris Holden Reed's beard. And then I'm like, <laughs> that, but that would be a weird thing to ask him next time I yes. see him. Like, that Can would I just be weird and awkward. Shouldn't do that. Yeah. Last time don't, we saw him, he was a lot that. more short. He had much shorter hair and beard going on. Less scruffy, yes. Less scruffy. Any other stray thoughts before we wrap up? Annie. <laughs> Annie. More docubus faces on faces and faces on places besides what? faces. <laughs> Just more Bo and Lauren's faces on each other's faces and other places. And other places. Okay. Yes. That's that's Annie's concluding thought for every episode, I think. Annie, yes. Annie wants uh, their parts on each other's parts. Any and all. <laughs> we would love to hear your thoughts about this episode, whether they be 
horny, porny, gullible, or otherwise. <laughs> or corny. Or corny. There we go. You can go and let us know what you think of this episode over at drinksatthedoll.com slash 99. You can leave us a comment over there. You can also send us an email to feedback at drinksatthedoll.com. You can send a voice message by clicking on the send voicemail tab on the right-hand side of our website, or you can call and leave a message on our listener voicemail line. Thank you so much again to Denise, who sent in a voice message. We really like getting those because you can hear each other's voices, which is nice. But thank you also to Mahler's Fifth, who sent us an email. We like getting feedback. And join us next time for our 100th episode, which is, should be released on April 28th. And yeah, so I'm so glad you could join us for Drinks at the Doll. Tribbles are fun. So it's tripping. <laughs> My name is Annie. Uh, at any given moment I may or may not be thinking about Young Frankenstein and my name is Chris thank you so much for listening cheers cheers